All right. If you're following along, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. It's not an orphan psalm. Orphan psalm is what kind of a psalm? Got no writer that we know of other than the Holy Spirit. Has some someone put it down, but uh, we know that there's no particular human author that we put with that psalm. However, there is a particular human author, and what was the event that precipitated the writing of this psalm? What had David? Where had David been? Right, he'd been he'd been with a been with Achish, the people at Gath. He'd been pretending to be insane. And escaped back, and he writes in one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and their face was not ashamed. Faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Have you noticed how often the Lord and God is mentioned in this first ten verses? David has come home uh, to uh, rescued by God, and now he's giving God the praise, if you would. So that's his praise, the first ten verses. Uh, question number one, how many sections are there in the book of Psalms? Five, okay? 1 to 41, 42, 72, 73, 89, 91, 06, and 107 to 150. Uh, who were glad to hear in verse 2? Who here and are glad? The humble here, the humble here thereof and are glad. Who is, where's the boasting? In those 10 verses we just read, who is gotten, who's being boasted about? I just read today that the clarinetist that used to play with the Boston Pops Esplanade Orchestra donated $100 million to Boston University. That's the only job he had, and he lived very frugally and saved his money. And over, over $125 million donated to charity when he died last week. And so that's a, but they were praising him for that. And that's a, that's a marvelous thing. Tom and I were talking about it. That's a lot of scrimping. He invested very wisely. But this, the humble, this is David talking about the Lord, the boasting. And by the way, you can boast about the Lord all right, all day and it's okay. You can praise him all day long, all night long, and it's just, it's just the right thing to do. Uh, other people, you know, not so much, but the God, you can praise him. The king of Gath was Achish. To whom did David lie at Nob? He told four lies in one verse to whom? Ahimelech, that's correct. The word magnify in verse uh, 3 means to grow or to praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us, let us talk. I just magnified, the, I don't even know that guy's name. But I just magnified him a little bit by telling you about a clarinetist of all things who played professionally and able to donate 125. So I, that's a little bit of a magnify that person. You can read for it for yourself in the Wall Street Journal last Saturday's edition. And what was David delivered from in verse 4? All his fears. Isn't that a wonderful? He delivered him from all his fears. David's praise, what he resolved, the first three verses, what he remembers, the next six, next four verses, first of all, the danger 
I sought the Lord and He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. That was, I was lost. A recurring theme. In 17, He says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such be as of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, Yahweh, delivereth him out of them all. It's a recurring theme of the trouble that David, the Lord delivers him out of and even through in the midst of and into, if you would. The Lord allows troubles in our lives, as you well know, to get us to be conformed to his image or to desire to do that. Spurgeon says we may seek God even when we have sinned. If sin could blockade the mercy seat, it would be all over for us. But the mercy is there that they are but the mercy is that there are gifts even for the rebellious and an advocate for men who sin, end of quote. And that's, that is Jesus Christ the righteous. He, he's making intercession for us even now. So those things that, that we do and we sin, and, and well, now he's still one of my children, and, and, and Lord, he's under the blood, Heavenly Father, he, and he's our intercessor. He's our, our advocate. He, he's pleading for us. Question, also remember we talked about verse 4. This comes from his time with Achish and the people at Gath. You can imagine now he was numero uno as far as enemies of the, the Philistine. He had killed their giant. And so uh, they did not like David. And there were the songs of Israel. I mean, Saul, his, his thousands. And, and David, his tens of thousands. And so no one liked that probably at all, except perhaps maybe, I don't know, David's friends or something. But, uh, and so Saul certainly did not like that. And this is the same person who, as Gath, who has been struggling so much, but he told Saul, I've killed a, a lion, I've killed a bear, he'll deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And God did, but now he's... So any of us, if we're not careful, we take our eyes off the captain of the ship, the calmer of the seas, and we'll start sinking, and we'll start living below our circumstances instead of above them by God's help. And so that's a little bit of a summary of the first four verses. We're ready to go on now to something new, the top of page two. We talked about his danger, now his discernment. I looked, verse five. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Interesting, the force of the statement is sometimes changed in some renderings to the imperative of look unto him. Now you can imagine if he's talking to the people who's gathered around him in the cave, He's going to start instructing them. The first part is is in praising. The second part is his sermon to the people who are listening. Look unto him. And they were lightened. David had been looking at Goliath's sword. He'd been looking at the king of Achish. He's perhaps been looking at a jail cell. I'm not sure all that he was looking at. He's looking at perhaps at four very tall brothers of Goliath. I'm not sure. But they looked unto him and were lightened. This this Lord willing, Sunday morning, I'm, I'm going to speak on where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And so, Tom, Tim, where do we go from here? And so, a little bit of the mini-sermon there for Tom. Where do we go? We go to the Lord. We go to the rock. And so, uh, probably a two-parter this morning. in the morning on set the, the need for going to the Lord and then what we are to be doing. And so, we need the Lord, do we not? We certainly do. We get our eyes off other things, on the other things, and the dismal condition of the world today but this is, we're looking for a better place. We are tent makers. We are tent carriers. We are, we're just traveling through the desert on our way as Abraham was while looking for that glorious, the new country, the glorious kingdom. That's what he was looking forward to. 
He was looking everywhere David was except to the Lord. Look unto him. Look expectantly. They looked unto him and they were lightened. The word lightened, says Henry Morris, this unique adjective lightened has not or has the root meaning of sparkle. It was often used to describe a fast-flowing, cascading, sparkling stream of water. Thus, when God answers our prayers in special ways, it results in sparkling or radiant countenance as they light up with joy. End of quote. So when the Lord, we should be like, we talk about the Lord, we should, whoa, we should start, well, let me just tell you what God did for me. And so often I, I'm, I'm of the poor mouth variety. Everything's, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Instead of, wow. What God has done for us, he answers our prayer, he gives us life and health. Their faces were covered with joy, but not with blushes. He who trusts in God, says Phillips, has no need to be ashamed of his confidence. Time and eternity will both justify his reliance. There were people spent millions, yea, billions of dollars with Sam Bankman Freed. In the cryptocurrency fraud fiasco of the of the of the of, of history so far, I believe fraud from the get go. The CFO and the CEO, I know it's the CEO for sure, came clean, and they were discussing how we knew things were wrong when we were doing them, but they did it hopefully to get lighter sentences. But we knew we're talking like eight billion dollars. He defrauded people, investors, and his mantra was, "We're the safe." Cryptocurrency, you can invest with us and, and be safe. He's going to be held accountable for more ways than one. The people who put their confidence in Sam Bankman Freed just are really unhappy with that now. You can put your confidence in God. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will always be the same. His word is, you cannot find any errors, there are none. You cannot find any historical discrepancies, there are none. It is, it is perfect through and through. Aren't you glad you can trust that? It, it's, we, 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 we just take that for granted, that God's word is true. Every bit of it is true. There's a story by Henry Bosch from the Daily Bread. A woman who was more than 80 years old wrote to him at one point in time, some years ago, and related a personal experience. She said, now I recall that when I was a child, I used to watch a precious old saint in church as with eyes closed, he sang with his head thrown back and with tears trickling down over a perfectly radiant face. Come thou fount of every blessing. Sometimes he sang in tune and sometimes he was way off, but nobody cared because he sang from his whole heart. I don't remember a single word he ever said, she said, but I was profoundly impressed by his face. I wanted to be a Christian like that. And she says, since then I've often prayed, oh, Father, help me to be a radiant Christian. You've probably met them. There's, they're, they're few and far between, and I have to say, even in Christian circles, they're few and far between who every time you can meet them, they're always positive. They've always, you know, they're walking with God. You know, it's, I'm not one of them. I can just tell you, I'm not that. I would like to be that maybe someday. But that's, that's, they looked unto him and they were lightened. Their faces were excited. They, they were so glad about what God had done for them of late, perhaps even that morning. Does your face radiate a good testimony for Christ? 
the one song that I've listened to of late, do they see Jesus in me? Do they recognize his face? Do people recognize that you are truly a child of God? And it makes a difference. By the way, when the Lord comes in, there is a dramatic difference in our lives. It's, it's like the, the couple that took the little boy to the pet store, and the little boy wanted a dog, and so they're looking in the window, and it's the kind of pet store that had all these puppies, and they were playing around and biting and nipping, and, 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 they, and he looks, looks, finally points to that one. He goes, why, son, do you want that one? I want the one with the happy ending, that one right there, the happy ending. And so I guess it was wagging his tail. So I want that one. And so that's the positiveness of that. But when God comes in, the biblical mindset is what works. The true story is told of, of, of Ironside when he was, he was in Chicago. He was visiting the Moody Church, and he went to a Salvation Army uh, street meeting, and they asked him to come up and to be the speaker for the hour, and he went up and started speaking. And while he was speaking, there was a, a guy who reached into his, in the crowd. He, he took out, uh, out of his pocket, put a note card, and started writing on it while he was speaking. After he was done, he came up to the pastor Iron, or Dr. Ironside who was visiting and said, here, gave him the card, and it said these words. He said he wanted to challenge him to a debate next Sunday at 4 o'clock in the Academy of Science, all expenses to be paid by the man, and they were going to debate on the subject of infidelity, agnosticism versus Christianity. And so the man was a very distinguished man in the community, and so a, a gentleman that people, he knew well, pretty well, or knew of him already. And so he said, Dr. Ironside halted the crowd, said, I've been challenged to a debate for next Sunday with, with this distinguished gentleman at 4 o'clock at the Academy of Science Hall on the subject of agnosticism versus Christianity. Now, said Dr. Ironside, I will be happy to accept this challenge under one condition. First, I want the illustrious gentleman to bring with him two witnesses. One, a man who has been in the depths of sin and has been raised to a glorious new life by the gospel of agnosticism and infidelity. And, for, and then, also, I want him to bring one uh, uh, a man as well as a witness and as a testifier to what agnosticism has done for him, raising him up out of the pit of the miry clay and setting his feet on the rock. I want the illustrious gentleman to bring one other witness. I want him to bring a woman who has fallen into mire and filth and dirt of life and who has been saved to a new and glorious redemptive purpose in the gospel of agnosticism and infidelity. So two total witnesses, the lady and the man. He said, my part is, I will come to the meeting at 4 o'clock Sunday and I shall bring a hundred witnesses with me who have been in sin and whom Christ has raised to a glorious new life in Jesus. Now, he said to the gentleman, will you accept my challenge and I'll meet you next Sunday at 4 o'clock, 100 witnesses for me and two for you. The gentleman declined to meet. See, that's the gospel message it's the power of God unto salvation. It changes lives. Uh, just said just to me this week about uh, one of my own family members. I, he, a person said to me, if you were to ask her about God, she would say, I don't even believe, probably don't even believe there is a God. Raised in a Christian home, etc. God changes us. And so I looked unto him and were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. You can look to God and be content. There is no, as I mentioned just last Sunday, there is no God beyond God. He is, he is all there is. He is the end. Not a means to the end. He is the end. And we will enjoy him forever 
Not only the danger, the discernment, his deliverance in verse 6. I was liberated. He first of all, he was lost. I looked and I am liberated. In verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. How does this phrase, this poor, question 7, I believe in your outline, this poor man cried and encouraged us today. God's listening. This poor man cried and he heard Heard him. So it was more than just, we talked about again last time, more than the God knows and hears, God heard his prayer. God's listening. Aren't you glad there's no busy signals? I called someone today. Uh, they are no longer, they're not taking calls right now. I said, okay, I'll try to call again maybe tomorrow. And God never says that. Matter of fact, he says, you've been so long away. Why has it been so long? Since you doth my, not since you doth my number, but when did you talk? Why, why are you waiting? Even while pretending to be mad, even while acting insane, David was praying in his soul, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. Save me. That is what happened to David. David remembered. And instead of, of rubbing David's nose in the dirt, and the Lord stepped in, though, and set him free. Humanly speaking, someone's not following your order. Someone's disobeying your commands. Someone's showing you up to be bad, a bad light upon you. We are very rarely are we going to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to lift you right out of there, and I'm just going to, I don't care, and I'm just going to promote you, i give you even the, no. We'd be like, yeah, suffer down there a while, you'll see what it's like, or you'll do that to me again. God's not like that. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. Prayer, someone has said, can clear us of troubles as easily as the Lord make a riddance of the frogs and flies in Egypt when Moses entreated him. This poor man cried. It's, it's just we just don't take advantage. What a friend we have in Jesus. All, you know, all these briefs, all the things we carry, all because we do not carry these things in prayer. All the griefs we often forfeit, all what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That should be numeral uno. We got a problem? Let's sit, stop right here and pray. Yes? Yes, absolutely. I've actually got that written in my line, that line right here. Yes. This poor man crying. So he, he, he doesn't, he's not interested in our financial ability. That's not his at all. Now, in Bible times, yes. If you were very rich, that obviously you have been blessed by God because you have all those things. Not so much nowadays. Good point. So then finally, uh, for tonight, will be what David realized. And so we're still on page two, I believe. What God protects. Number one, God protects. Verse seven. And that's sort of your title for tonight is surrounded by angels. Are we surrounded by angels? God protects, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. This was interesting. Now, we, we want to say, and I'm not boohooing or saying it's not true, we want to say that all of us have a guardian angel. The Bible never says with any explicitness that we all have a guardian angel. I believe this is the angel of the Lord. I was looking up today. Uh, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar, to Abram in, in 24, 22. Moses in Exodus 3. He appears to, to Balaam in Numbers 22. It is to uh, Ju- uh, Judges 6, Gideon. Judges 13, Samson's parents. 2 Samuel, David at the plagues. Elijah, the Assyrians, and Zechariah. And in Matthew 1, 20, Joseph. So the angel of the Lord, it's not angels, 
and the L-O-R-D, we know what that is now, right? That's the Tetragrammaton, that's the Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Um, my wife just showed me a video explaining about that some at the supper tonight. I'm going to watch that a little bit later, Lord willing. But this is the covenant, this is the a theophany, a Christophany, if you want to call that. Uh, I believe it refers to that. Now, on every side, he is the captain of the host. And I like that term in Psalm 24, verse 10. He is the Lord of hosts. Psalm 24, 10. 9, lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So the Lord of hosts means there have to be some people fought. Hosts would naturally be a group of something. A host would be the angelic beings, etc., He's the captain of the host. He, he is the Lord of hosts. He's the angel of the Lord. In Psalm 91, verse 12, 91, verse 12 of Psalms, we find here for us, they shall bear thee up with their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 11. So are there, there are guardian angels, I believe. Angels are sent. We know from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, that they are sent as ministering spirits. Question number 9, bottom of 2. Do you think there's a battle in the heavenlies between good angels and fallen angels? So, while you're thinking about the answer to that question, I've got another question. If angels and demons can't die, what is the point of engaging in battle? And here's your answer. We need to remember that not all battles are to the death. The point of angels battling demons is not to kill them, but to thwart their plans and further God's plans. In the Bible, we see that angels do battle with demons in order to deliver divine messages to people, Daniel 10 and remove Satan's hordes from heavenly places, Revelation 12. Demons can be withstood in James 4, 7, tortured by God, Luke 8, loose from, uh, lose what they possess, Mark 9, and be sent to another place, Matthew 8, and be removed to the abyss, Luke 8. Secondly, there will be a time when Satan and his demons will experience what the Bible calls the second death, which is the lake of fire. So I believe that the Satan's host, called demons, called in our translation devils, will eventually be cast into the lake of fire along with Satan. Do you think there's a battle? In the, yes, I believe there's a spiritual battle going on, and we'll have to start with that next time. But there are those. Now, the Frank Peretti books, uh, the, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness, a little more, a little bit more licensure, if you want, a little more sword playing, those kind of things. But remember that the battle is to prevent Satan uh, to get to thwart Satan's plans or to protect his people. Remember, one was one spent twenty-one days coming to Daniel. I think it was. It took him twenty-one days to get to Daniel. And are there guardian angels of nations? I would say absolutely yes to that. Israel's uh, guard uh, angel, if you would, is Michael, etc. And then, like the cities, I believe there are are probably demonic hosts who are in charge of America. The big cities in America, perhaps even Greenup, there's a more smaller one uh, in charge of this area. Uh, they're hosts. They're very well organized. We think there's some ram. No, 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 no. And so next, we'll pick up with that next time. Do we have guardian angels? We might. We have angels that minister to us. Do we have one particular angel that has been with you your entire life? It's possible. We do know that angels took Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. 
angels came and swing low, sweet chariot coming forward. That's biblical. I believe angels even today very possibly could come to escort the Christian to glory when they pass. We will pick up with that. Very interesting. And so uh, I like that question. If angels and demons can't die, what's the point of engaging in battle? Well, it's to keep Satan to thwart his plans. And so we'll stop right there. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's a real encourager. If you'll keep doing that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for David uh, penning these words through the inspiration of the Spirit. We thank you that David teaches us much. Lord, he went through much. And Lord, help us that we would start memorizing Scripture, whatever it is to have on hand. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. If we learn nothing else from the psalm, you are deserving of exaltation and honor constantly. Lord, may we be about your business. May you use us to further your work until you are done with us here. And so bless us now as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.